0: Check 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 check. Salud. Oh, salud yourself. Uh, happy Day of the Dead. Happy Halloween. It's the Heavy Hole Podcast with an extra spooky edition. Um, my uh, uh, lavishly, my oh my, my lavishly haunted guest, uh, reeking of uh, spectacular lavender. Rick Habib. The, 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 How you
1: doing that, Will.
0: The doom, the doom, dawn of Staten Island. How you doing, Rick?
1: How's it going? How's it going? Formerly of Standing Island, but hey, technicalities.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, we know we know that you got different uh, principalities you gotta live by. Um <laughs> we'll get into we'll get into all the principalities later. Uh this is a special uh holiday episode of the Heavy Hole Podcast for Halloween week It's coming right at you. Rick, you're not much of a Halloween guy.
1: Um, and you know, I never really liked uh dressing up as uh as another <laughs> uh person or anything like this of this nature. <laughs> Uh, I did it when I was a kid, and all this, you know, I, um, my anniversary, my wedding anniversary is on Halloween, so that's interesting. Um, but <laughs> yeah, and I, I never really got into it, you know. So uh, yeah, uh, uh, except when I was a kid, we'd go bombing and shit. That was it. that was awesome.
0: Well, what's the yeah, take? You know what? While we're here, let's take a minute. Take yeah. take me through Staten Island Halloween oh, growing up
1: in the eighties. Yeah, Staten what? Island Halloween was it was. You know, my block and the various surrounding blocks, it was just a war zone of eggs and shaving cream. And you would come home, you know, it would start like maybe around three in the afternoon. You get home from school and you start, you know, just you get off the bus, really, and you would get pelted with eggs in the face. Huh. And then you would just go get the, 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 the can of uh, shaving cream, put the... The, the pin into it and burn it so it would come fucking flying shooting out you know it, you would modify the shaving cream can that would just like ooze out but you would modify it so it would fly out and squirt ah, out. Like, uh, you know so yeah you know you're, you're eight years old you know fucking with this shit and, and making making uh shaving cream uh it was awesome man and uh th- those were good times and yeah i think things are probably different now you don't you don't see that shit anywhere anymore yeah, the, I mean, I, you don't see eggs on anywhere or like shaving
0: cream anywhere. The modifying the shaving cream sprayer with a with a hot needle—I never would have thought of that. And we did. Yeah, I, you yeah. put
1: the pin into the you know into the spout or whatever, and then uh-huh. burn it, and then the you know the plastic kind of uh, uh, encases around the hole there, and then it just shoots out. You understand? So it's don't a, don't try this at home. Don't it's try very this scientific. Yeah. I understand. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Don't try this at home for the listeners, allegedly. Um, <laughs> we had, you know, in Huntington growing up, the only time I experienced that kind of like very typical, like American uh, crazy Halloween with the shaving cream and the eggs, it was actually, shout out to Tom Anderer, our,
1: mm. our bandmate, oh, yeah. Inora and
0: reeking Aura, and Grace Guy's phone, and Buckshot Face up to the illustrious Tom Anderer. Um, Lavish, yeah, lavish man of, of uh, persuasion that he is. I wasn't with him, I, it was probably when I was around 11 or 12. I was with shout out to Ian Pollock, uh, a, another young man that grew up in his neighborhood down there. They call it the South Down neighborhood here in Huntington, New York. Um, it's and that was the only time I remember I went to like I went to my friend's neighborhood and did Halloween over there instead of my neighborhood and that was the only time I remember like a sea of kids in costumes with the shaving cream throwing eggs at one another it was like I'm uh-huh. glad I got to experience that once.
1: That's cool man that was every year for you know let's see I moved out of that neighborhood in 88 so I was like I was 11 or 12 going on 12 so excuse me, it was about only about five years and thinking about it now, you know, it feels like so long when you're a kid. It feels like years seem like, uh, you know, one summer seems like f- a fucking uh, five years to me right now when I'm a kid. Anyway, I'm, I'm rambling, but uh, it was only a few years of that and it was every year of just of chaos and war. We, we would have like teams and, and, you know, do like bombing, like raids and shit. It was, it was <laughs> awesome. Yeah, It was cool, man.
0: See, yeah, my neighborhood uh, was not that popping for Halloween growing <laughs> up. Uh, Huntington Station is more of like a, um, there's like a lot of kind of like industrial, like there's the train tracks and some, you know, some kind of like scrap yards and welding yards mm-hmm. and things like that, and uh it was the kind of neighborhood where on the news the next day, something really bad happened on Halloween. You know, it wasn't really a mischievous neighborhood. It was like a stay indoors neighborhood back in the right. 80s, 80s yeah, and 90s. Well, we, had, we
1: had Mischief Night also, which which yeah. was, became a thing later on. I don't, I don't really remember that so much as a, as a young boy in the 80s. That was more like a '90s thing, from what I remember, like tires getting slashed and like real fucking damage getting done, things like that. But uh, I never partook in that stupidity.
0: It it yeah, yeah, it definitely seemed like in the '90s people stepped it up. Um, You know, it was it was always going on. There was always people doing stuff, but it like it seemed like. uh, I mean, not you know, not to get cliche, but we even heard about like gang initiations, um, random shootings, and things like that, which have happened in my neighborhood, growth. So you kind of like over the years, I think people were like, "Nah," let's. They started doing that safe Halloween stuff where they go to the mall and they ask each mm. store for a trick or treat or whatever, which is pretty lame.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, we, didn't we didn't do that. We do that in Shaolin. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, thank,
0: I yeah, I thank yeah, I thank the uh, the Lords of Halloween that I grew up not having to do that. At least we got some real trick-or-treating him back in the day, man. <laughs> the real and the fake, things getting watered down in the modern era. Um I you know what, man, this translates to metal very well because tonight's guests, uh the members of long running iconic Texas black and death black we'll say black into death metal band, Imprecation um have some opinions on metal things getting watered down nowadays things being real uh and i think we're going to get into it with them all for this special halloween episode Okay, this is Big Will from Heavy Hole Podcast, and I'm here with none other than Dave Herrera and Jeff Tandy of the band Imprecation from Houston, Texas. Did I get all that right, gentlemen?
2: Yes. Yes, sir. You sure did.
0: All right. I appreciate your time, man. Thank you for coming on the show.
2: Thanks for having us on.
0: Like I always do when we have multiple band members, we like to get a little bit of uh, each of your background um, before you're really uh, playing in the band that we necessarily know you for. So I'll start with you, Dave, and then Jeff, in a minute, we'll get into um, your story. Dave, uh, are you from a musical family, any musicians in your family, or was there anyone in your upbringing that kind of steered you into heavy metal and hard rock?
2: uh nobody in my immediate family i was pretty much a lone wolf black sheep type thing on that um, but i did have an uncle jim uh, my well i still do he's still around but uh my uncle jim got me into black sabbath uh mm. when i was 10 years old he uh i was into Kiss and stuff all the typical things that a seven-year-old kid in the 70s would be into and uh and uh, one day, Michael Jim pulls me uh, pulls me to the side. He takes me to his uh, house, and he's like, hey, man, uh, I want you to hear something, man. You need to quit listening to Kiss and listen to this. And you <laughs> put uh, Black Sabbath Sabotage on, and it fucking changed my life, man. The, the very first thing he did was put on the writ, and it scared the shit out of me, dude. But I knew right then and there that that, that, that was the path I needed to start on. And uh, so that's how it happened, you know. Wow. Love Gun I cut my teeth on Love Gun but you know shortly after I found Black Sabbath and Priest and Kiss and all and, 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 and ACDC and all that stuff like that so you know you know so but I did learn about Kiss through uh, Sunday school you know uh, I had a Sunday school teacher uh, she was a nun but she had Kiss posters all over her room
3: and wow.
2: uh, I remember being six years old, asking her who the hell all those people on the walls were with makeup. She's like, "Oh, that's Kiss. That's my favorite band. You want to <laughs> hear what they sound like?" And I'm like, "Yeah, you know." So she brings a Kiss record to class the next uh, the next day, and she played Black Diamond, and I freaked the fuck out, man. You know, and and so yeah, I learned I, my true gateway was through sunday school at a catholic church you know so so this was a.
0: am sorry this was a catholic nun in the 70s playing you kiss yes yes <laughs>
2: yeah yeah it was it was it was um you know my uh my mom would drop me off there during the week and we had like sunday school i was six years old like you know and uh you know i was well actually i was going on six you know and uh yeah it was uh i learned kiss through that you know and then uh from that point you know when i on my seventh birthday i I asked my grandmother to buy me a kiss record so she took me to kmart and uh we got she got me love gun and uh that's where it started (laughs)
0: that's (laughs) uh, pretty funny man that's pretty ironic man that sounds like a cool ass nun man
2: hell yeah she was man she she opened the gate for me man
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right well and i I got it quickly i always shout out my research you guys have done interviews with ken's death metal crypts uh voices yeah, from the man. dark yeah un- uncle ken big shout out to uncle ken man um ken
2: fucking rules
0: uh as well i do have a
2: beer but cheers to you ken
0: <laughs> i i do man cheers cheers to ken and uh voices from the dark side webzine
3: Oh, yeah, Frank Stover.
0: Yeah, uh, yes. gr- uh, great, great um, webzine. And deathmetal.org, uh, the, the um, classic, controversial, and informative website.
3: <laughs> for all of- that?
0: put
2: us through the ringer a couple times. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I only bring those up because I like to credit my research uh, where I get some of this stuff from. And I know through some of that, um, if we switch gears now, Jeff, to you, um, maybe if you want to go a little bit further into it, but in terms of heavy metal and hard rock, I know if, wasn't it like a, a classmate of yours turned, turned you on to SOD and anthrax at a certain point.
3: Oh yeah. But my fascination with it started very, very young. It's really funny. I've got a complete opposite story about kiss to Dave, which is that <laughs> I, I was about three when that Phantom of the Theme Park movie came on television. Oh, boy. I remember seeing a promo for it and seeing Gene Simmons and just being really completely excited at the idea of that guy. And then when I realized that how they when I realized how they sounded like I want rock and roll all night. Yeah, and then, and then you heard them, you know, it, was, it didn't match up, you know. <laughs> I was hugely disappointed, and I don't know what I was thinking it was supposed to be when I was three because I didn't know what metal sounded like yet. But it just I wanted hey, it I, to be yeah, I just wanted I, to be just like raw, you know, and.
2: Um, well, you know, Ra didn't really exist at that time. You know, like the most you got Gaga Ra was seventh and stuff. Right. You know? yeah. but, uh, but I know what you mean. You know, he's spitting blood up, he's breathing fire, and he's singing about fucking meeting you in the ladies' room and stuff like that, you know? So, <laughs> yeah. But, hey, I almost ran away from home because my uh, parents wouldn't let me watch that that stupid Kiss Me Some Family of the Park. And it's like... <laughs> much 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 later in life i watched it again because i did get to watch it when i was a kid but much later in life i watched it again and all the magic was worn off and all that shit and i was like man i almost fucking ran away for this crap you know
0: (laughs) (laughs) some some things belong in the past man you know
2: yes yes it was magical back then not so much (laughs) now you know
0: well we're actually we're we're gonna try to time this episode to drop for halloween weekend um the kind of the, the you know kind of i thought it would be appropriate um for a band of your guys caliber so let me let me also ask you guys this before we, we, we move on from this period maybe um did you guys as kids if you just want to take a separate turn answering have a fascination with horror movies or with the occult in general or does that come later on in life
2: Okay, uh, I'm sorry, you broke up a little bit. What was that question
0: again? Uh, did you have a fascination with horror movies or with the occult in general as oh, a kid?
2: Oh, absolutely, absolutely, man. Uh you know, uh you know what was funny is like, you know, of course I was like into The Exorcist and all, you know, all that shit back in the 70s and stuff, but it was uh Stanley Kubrick's version of The Shining. Uh, when that came out it was uh it wasn't just the movie it wasn't just the the masterful direction of it but it was the score you know the music in that scared the fucking shit out of me man and it's so powerful and so dark and ominous and uh i think that's uh where i really connected with uh with horror, you know. I mean, you know, like like the boogeyman and Halloween and stuff like that were all cool and things, but I kinda like that unseen force that that the shining gave me, you, you know, I mean it was that's uh that that was a very uh very uh moving point in my life my childhood, you know.
0: But hundred uh, percent man. Um and uh, Jeff what about you man? Any fascination with horror movies or with the, the occult in general as a kid?
3: Um, yeah, I, mine was a little bit more bourgeois. Um, I, the first movie I ever saw in the theater, I was three. It was uh, Fantasia and, um, I was completely possessed by night on bald mountain. I just thought that was yeah. thought that was amazing. And then uh, very quickly after that, Alice Cooper was on the Muppet show doing welcome to my nightmare with all the ghosts and goblins on there. And, uh, my mother, Being the supportive person that she was actually bought me the single for that, which I then played repeatedly on my Winnie the Pooh record player for quite a while. (laughs) Um um, uh, oh shit, I forgot what I was gonna say. Oh yeah. Uh age five started going to episcopal school, and then the um the reverend was uh talking about the devil, the concept of the devil. And I immediately went, that's the guy from the movie. <laughs> and that was good for <laughs> me. I, I, I could not stop thinking about it. I couldn't stop talking about it. My teacher actually yelled at me and told me to stop saying devil. Um, so, yeah, it was pretty much after that, I just kind of knew I was home. And I never really deviated from that ever since then. Okay. Yeah, you know, and to
2: add to. To add to what I was saying earlier about movies, I guess what really stirred my fascination with the occult at a young age was, you know, things like, uh, you know, like The Omen and, uh, the, you know, obviously The Exorcist and stuff, but things like The Omen, you know, there's something about the film score. Once again, we're going back to the music here, but, but you know, everything from the desecrated statues of The Exorcist to the, to, uh, Abe Satani uh, from uh, Goldsmith, um, that stuff was, uh, it was powerful, and it kind of got me interested in all that stuff, you know, not to mention, you know, seeing the covers to Highway to Hell and, you know, things like that. That kind of really uh, kind of drove it home a little bit, you know?
0: Uh, yeah, and the the time period you're t- talking about growing up in um, would either of you guys if you again if you want to take turns answering do, would you say that you experienced the satanic panic uh growing up maybe um your parents or community members um uh having different opinions about heavy metal music and horror movies and those sort of things maybe even dungeons and dragons I don't know
3: Jeff you want to go first um yeah no not specifically my um my parents weren't involved in any of that kind of just herd mentality bullshit. I mean, um, no, I never had any trouble with it. I never had any interference with it. I knew it was going on and I thought it was really ludicrous. But uh, no, I never experienced it personally, even though like many young death metalers, I did plenty to try to provoke that kind of reaction um, in people, you know, around age 16, you know, marching around with the deicide shirt on like a second skin um but uh no i, I wouldn't say so I, I i was i was a little younger than dave so by the time just speaking for myself by the time i was really all the way into heavy metal um the panic had been mostly oh gosh like 87 and like the height of it was like i think like 84 to 86 something like that
2: um
3: <clears throat> yeah
2: with me um I don't know, like like my parents didn't really approve of the shit that I was listening to. Uh, like, you know, I was into, you know, like I had Number of the Beast and Holy Diver and all that stuff like that. And I'd sit there and stare at the covers and stuff, you know, for forever, just immerse myself in that, uh, that art and everything. And uh, it was like right around the time I discovered uh, uh, Celtic Frost and uh, Slayer and Venom, is when I started like seeking out t-shirts and things like that you know to really really uh I was proud to listen to that music and this was in 85 you know I was 15 years old and uh and I got kicked out of school a couple of times because I was wearing a Haunting the Chapel shirt and a <laughs> Body my Blood shirt and seriously man like people did not know how to how to like take that in, like how to absorb that. You know, you're I'm walking around the the hallways with the Hella Waits shirt on and everybody's like, You wanna go to hell, man? You think that's fucking cool? You know, like and and it was just people were tripping, man. And even like you just wearing a Metallica shirt, people would trip out. But uh the satanic panic thing, you know, I never really that never really affected me. But there was one time uh, me and some roommates, uh, some good friends of mine, Steve Eagleburger and uh, Brian Ligon, we all uh, roomed together. This was in 89, 88, 89, and uh, we uh, we burned fucking inverted crosses into our flesh. I still got the scar right here and one on my chest and all that stuff like that. And, uh, and we would, like, invite people over and, and brand them as well and shit like that. And some, some dude flipped the fuck out, man, on us and shit, you know. And he started, he, he was listening to deicide and all stuff. And he's throwing plates at, he was working in a kitchen. And he started throwing plates at all the wait staff and all that shit, saying that he was fucking possessed by the devil and shit like that. So they they take him to a, 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 a funny farm type thing. And he was like, it was them man they fucking did it to me man they fucking it was as a cult man and so there was like a little publication that came out called the 1960 sun and they wrote about us in they saying beware satanic cult and they described us to a t saying that we you know we try to do altar calls and all kinds of stuff so that was kind of like my thing you know like with the uh, the satanic panic, you know, like we we made the the local newspaper. So That was kind of funny, you know.
3: But, I didn't uh, even know that story. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll uh, I have my buddy Steve uh, verify that with you <laughs> cuz he was in there too, you know.
0: Wow, okay, man. That that's that that answers my question there. Um <laughs> I mean, you know, we've we've heard stories and there's been these books the last few years about the early death metal scene. Um, and, you know, about, about how, like, you know, uh, for example, like, I guess, Morbid Angel, when they first started, there were a lot of rumors about different things they would do in terms of the, oh, um, the cult <laughs> and, and all that sort of thing. I mean, do you guys think coming from the older generation of death metal that there's been something of the mystery and the atmosphere lost in death metal nowadays?
3: Oh, yeah. Um, I, I Absolutely. It, We were just talking about this the other day um, me and a couple of friends um, how a lot of the bands from back then were actually doing some version of the shit that they were singing about. Mm. (laughs) You know, Um, Deicide, Morbid Angel, a lot of those bands were acting out some form of the what otherwise would seem like fantastical lyrics. It's like, no, they were They were doing drugs. They were desecrating stuff. They were branding themselves. They were having weird sex, you know, whatever. Um, And I absolutely do think that um, the, I don't think you actually, your band, you don't have to do all that stuff for your band to be legitimate. Legitimate as an artistic entity, but you do at least have to be amenable to that spirit. Like I'm a pretty straight guy in terms of, I I don't have a criminal record. I've never really been in any kind of trouble at all. uh, And I've never really done anything that outwardly would be that fucked up other than doing stuff where I was in a lot of situations where people were absolutely doing fucked up things. And I just, I was just kind of hanging out in the middle of it and not being phased. So yeah, and the short answer is yes, that that spirit has been missing for a while the dangerousness of death metal that was then carried forward with the very much the dangerousness of black metal in the 90s um is definitely missing from most bands there are still a few maniacs out there who are really coming to it in a very authentic way but they are much fewer and further between I, I would say
2: yeah you know the you know there's becoming an art which is uh, the art of gatekeeping uh, you know, we, uh, some people like to jeer others for uh, gatekeeping and all that stuff like that. But if it wasn't for gatekeeping, metal would have crashed and burned a long time ago. You know, it, uh, it was because of gatekeeping that, uh, that kept metal you know, dangerous and exciting for the longest time. Now danger is frowned on. You know, it just makes no sense to me. The whole reason why I got into metal was because it was dangerous, you know. Even when you found out the bands were normal as fuck, you know, it was still a dangerous thing, you know. You know, when you put on, you know, screaming for vengeance or fucking, you know, rain and blood or whatever it might be, you know, you you felt this essence of power, you know, that surged through you and stuff. And uh, there was something about it that just that just kind of just took over and just swallowed you up you know uh there's not a lot of bands that are releasing things nowadays that do that you know everybody's playing it safe everybody's scared to piss off everybody else you know and to me it's just it's all due due to a lack of gatekeeping you know Mm -hmm. so uh i think uh if there was more of that going around metal would would, uh, would have somewhat of that semblance, but uh, there's too much goofiness going on, and uh, I ain't got time for that shit.
3: I, I always like to say gatekeeping. What do you mean? Having standards? <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly, right? <laughs> so,
3: Well, fa- uh, fair
0: enough. And with this, especially with the type of metal that you guys are talking about and from the... Uh, the older school, it makes a lot of sense. I don't want to jump around too much because I still want to cover the early years of imprecation, but this reminds me of something I got from a little bit of the research was that um, uh, long-term old-school lineup members, Phil Westmoreland and Jim Case, when they left in 2014, that might have had something to do with that idea of image and atmosphere, um, uh, the black metal versus the, the quote-unquote tennis shoes medal.
2: Yeah, well, they they really didn't. Uh, they left uh, much earlier than that. It was more like uh, twenty ten.
0: Okay. I mean, we were
2: we were when we got imprecation Back Together. You know, when Ruben called me up and stuff, it was for the purpose of completing a uh, a proper full length album. You know, not just that the rage and compilation that everybody had at the time, but. Uh, But, you know, just a proper real fucking album, man, that we were supposed to do and never fucking did, you know. And so Phil and Jim were, uh, they were kind of holding things back. I I wouldn't say that they were holding things back, but Phil wanted to take the band into a doomier direction, and we wanted to go more occult. Jim was uh, busy with Uncleansed. Uh, he had a band called uncleansed at the time. So he was like trying to juggle his work schedule around with uncleansed and imprecation. And he was just having a hard time trying to make it all happen. And so I don't, I don't fault him for that at all, but there was a clash of ideologies between Ruben and Phil and I, you know, and uh, it was just one of those things uh, we were playing a show one day and uh, Pete Helmkamp came up to me after uh, one of our performances and he goes, man, you guys fucking crushed it, man. He's like, uh, I just got to ask one thing, though. Why is, why is that guy up there wearing a ball cap and tennis shoes and the rest of you are wearing spikes? And I'm like, well, he that's look, You know, he's an original member. You know, the spikes and stuff aren't really his style and stuff, you know. But he's like, okay, and he let it go. But after a while, it became apparent that Phil uh, he wasn't happy doing the death metal thing anymore. I mean, he uh, he was more into uh, like Electric Wizard and things like that. And uh, so we basically encouraged him, you know, to to go ahead and take that path. You know, uh, we you know we didn't kick him out. You know, we just you know he didn't he didn't leave like on bad terms. It was kind of a mutual like, okay, you go your way, we go ours, and from that point is when we kicked it into gear, you know, as we released the Jehovah Denied demo and then our first full length album, Satinade Tenebris Infinita. So uh, that's kind of how that happened, you know.
0: Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I only bring that up because of that conversation about the, you know, the kind of atmosphere of death metal and and um, uh, the, you know, I guess Im- the image of the band and that sort of thing. But maybe now, if we could maybe shift gears to. Uh, As as I said, I know from Uncle Ken and Ken's death metal crypt that you, at a certain point in time back in the day, were trying to get a band off the ground, um, Christ uh, dismembered, when you actually ran into original imprecation um, uh, bass player Mark Beecher, whose car had broke down on the road, and that led to you kind of joining up with some ex-members of Dark Rain to form imprecation. Yes, yes, that's true. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to ask you maybe about, cause, like, as I said, you know, I don't want to ask you to repeat the same stories over and over again. I do my research, but I, I want to get a little insight into what the scene was like back then because we're talking about early 90s death metal in Texas, which has never gotten maybe its... um. Uh, it's respect in terms of a regional scene uh but there were always bands from texas doing their thing back then could you maybe just give a little insight into what things were like in your area and in that local scene where dark rain was from because dark rain was kind of a upstanding band in the local scene before imprecation even existed right
2: yeah i used to i used to go to their rehearsals uh when they were called metal force and uh and that was like, you know, I was trying so hard to get a band off the ground. Uh, Christ Dismembered was the name of it. And it's funny because there's a band now, all of a sudden, called, that, you know, but uh, but you know, that was uh, that was the name I had, you know, and uh, and I and I was trying to get some people to join in, but it was hard finding people that were wanting to uh, be a part of something with a name like that. Meanwhile, I'm going to Metal Force practices. going, man. If I could only be in a band like this, man, and then they changed their name to Dark Rain. And at that time there was darker sounds happening. You know, uh there was a station called ninety point one, uh uh uh, KPFT FM. It was a Sweet nightmare show. It was like a public radio show that, that would come on. And on Tuesday nights, uh, Wes Weaver and Bill Bates would start, would play like underground stuff that was going on at the time. And this was like 88, you know, well, I mean it was before then, but when I started tuning in, it was like late 88, 89, something like that. And they were playing bands like Coroner and, you know, Creator and and uh, dark angel and you know i was listening to all that stuff any before that but then i started hearing things like sepultura and uh you know terrorizer morbid angel and stuff like that so the scene started changing a little bit around our area band you know metal force became dark rain the sound got a little bit darker started getting bands like malignant terror and you know the switch and some a few other bands that were like a. Pretty dark, but in the Texas region, bands like Necrovor and Absu and and uh, Morbid Scream and all those bands like that started really making noise. Uh, you had Devastation and you know Annihilator and all these bands like that. So things started happening in Texas, but all eyes were on Tampa at that time, and uh, it was Tampa or or East Coast, you know, like uh, like you know, bands like. Cannibal and suffocation and things like that, you know. And then uh, Tampa had everybody's attention with deicide and more of an angel. Um, so it took a while for Texas to catch on, you know. Honestly, I just, you know, we were, I just felt like we were the, the, we were a hidden treasure, man. Like there's all kinds of like cool, you know, cult things coming out of Texas that took a while to, 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 to take hold, man. But, but it's, a uh, It's, uh, you know, blood spill, all that stuff like that. It's all, it's all, uh, you know, getting its respect now, you know, the respect it deserves, you know? So
0: would you say I, from an outsider perspective, I'm from New York. It seems like the, the classic Texas death metal sound from back in the day was um very death metal and brutal but it seems like the texas scene was a little ahead of the curve with the occult atmosphere and the types of imagery that people might associate more with like norway from back then you know what i mean i don't remember a lot of bands yeah. other than maybe your occasional deicide promo photo going the full nine um the way you know maybe absu did or you know imprecation did and things like that
2: and necrovore necrovore, and necrovore. definitely yeah, you know they. Uh, well, you know, I mean, and see, that was the thing. There wasn't really, I mean, aside from the bands that you mentioned, there wasn't really a lot of, uh, you know, there was like bands like Condemned and stuff like that. That all and Cathartic and stuff that all touched on the on the more satanic or dark, uh, you know, region of uh, of the the scene and everything. But um, but it, you know, there really wasn't anybody. Doing, taking the making a craft out of it like Absu was, or like you know, like we were, you know, like you know, we we, you know, it it took a while. We had a mission, we had a goal, and uh, you know, when we started doing our thing, and it, you know, it was just kind of a mixture of styles. Like Philip, you know, that we were talking about earlier, he was really into entombed and terrorizer and things like that, you know, and uh, morbid angel and. stuff stuff and uh and i i was like all into uh blasphemy and and vital remains and things like that you know um you know immolation and then you know and so it was like kind of like a conglomeration of those styles plus like like old thrash that dark rain was doing and that's kind of like how we came up with our thing you know um but uh
3: you know, there wasn't really a lot.
2: There wasn't really a lot of bands doing that back then, and there really aren't now. You know, like in our in our area, we're pretty much the uh, the only ones at the
3: moment that I can think of. Can you think of it, Jeff? Um, as far as more occult, I mean, no, it's just the usual suspects. Yeah, Absu was a really early entry into that. Um, did Crucifixion do that kind of thing? I don't. I never saw uh, them. Yeah, they uh they they were. They
2: were a badass crucifixion. Yeah, yeah. Uh but uh, but I don't really know if they were they were dark, but they didn't wear like the the inverted crosses and stuff like that. Yeah. They were they, they they just had the dark they had the dark uh, imagery and stuff like that as far as their themes and their sound, but like uh they were basically uh they were, you know just you know they were cool guys you know i don't really know what they were trying to do as far as image wise or anything but it wasn't that it wasn't the same it wasn't like Necrovore and things like that you know i so.
3: I, th- I think it's fair to say from a, just an outsider perspective uh when i got into the scene you know i discovered imprecation right at their inception uh, i told this story in a different podcast already but uh actually i think it was imprecation's second show and my first time to ever play in Houston sessioning for a band called Indignation and we both opened up for Immolation. And um, uh, I remember thinking thinking then and all the way to now, thinking that I think Imbrication was probably the most overtly satanic band uh, out of Texas. Um, I just think about just their imagery and kind of the uh, sort of the residue of the band even after it went inactive that uh, kind of set a standard for you know people going wow texas is dark and i, and I really attribute a lot of that to, to imprecation
0: fair enough i think as a fan i would probably agree with that because i always associated <clears throat> imprecation and you know jeff while while you're chiming in um for the listeners you spent a great deal of time in the band averse sephira if i said it correctly um, yeah, that's right. From Texas. And that's also a band where people would obviously associate you guys, I think, more with the black metal scene, but if they oh, sat definitely. if they sat down and listened to your album though, it's again, it's that type of black metal where I where I think it's it's death metal accessible, but the thing that makes it black metal is the intent more. Is that fair to say?
3: Yeah. Um aesthetically and conceptually it was black metal, but the bones of it were absolutely death metal um we were heavily influenced by bands like immolation Mm -hmm. um so yeah it's all everybody says that and they're correct um our you know we were influenced by other black metal bands that were kind of like i mean like we're big fans of emperor and immortal like the early stuff and then uh yeah a ton of death metal in there incantation d aside, all of that really informed us and, and imprecation as well i mean you know like i said i i grew up with that same as everybody else in the texas scene um i was still it's funny to think about it because i was really very much a kid when imprecation hit and it's funny being in the band now and thinking about like dave and ruben back then and going man i could not have hung with those guys at all <laughs>
2: you <know>? <laughs> <laughs> It's it's funny. I was thinking the same thing when I was going to Dark Rain practices about seeing Ruben and all that. I was like, man, I would love to be in a band with somebody like that. You know, so I didn't think it would happen one day. You know, so it's kind of cool. It's just we just but our paths all crossed at the same times and stuff. So that was it was inevitable. But Jeff, you had to come, you had to come and join, man.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, and of when you say Ruben, you're of course talking about. Um, uh, forgive me if I get this wrong. It's Ruben Elizondo. Right. got it Ru- got it Ru- uh, no. yeah uh, rest in peace you're uh the longtime drummer and he also played keyboards on a number of releases of imprecation um he-
2: everyone <laughs> ev- everyone
0: yeah. past and uh, including uh the most recent album uh just released in 2022 um which would be his his last release I believe with the band before he yeah. passed away right uh, well, well
2: we got one more yeah. coming Okay, uh, that's got him on it. You know, it's it's a seven inch. So, but it's the last full length that we'll have him on it. Yes,
0: uh, yeah. fair enough. And I just wanted to respectfully ask you guys, um, because you know, you, you each you each uh, joined up with him at different times. Maybe if you could give me just some of your your memories um of of joining the band getting to know him and getting to know what it was like to work with him as a musician and seeing his drive in the band and how that may have affected the way you perceived imprecation if each of you guys want to maybe take a turn and give your 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 spin on that um
2: okay well i guess i'll start with that since i (laughs) since i go back a a little bit longer with Ruben. um uh, well, my my first memory of him, aside from the dark rain practices and stuff, uh, was one that I've told. I believe I even told it on Ken's uh, death metal crypt. Um, it was uh, it was I was trying out for the band as a guitar player, and uh, I'm nervous as fuck. You know, I'm like, uh, man, I can't believe I got myself into this. You know, it was the Mark Beecher thing when I when he told me about it when he picked me. We picked him up on the freeway. Well that that night Reuben was the first one to show up at my house and it was fucking coming down like cats and dogs outside, man. It was it was like the sky opened up and it was pouring like fuck. I didn't think anybody was gonna come and Reuben shows up, boom, 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 hits the door. I open it up and it's then I'm like hey how's it going you know and he's and his first thing he said he looked at me he goes man you better be good because I drove a long fucking way <laughs> in the rain for this shit you know <laughs> <laughs> and that was that's still one of my favorite memories of him man just that like no pressure at all you know and I, I I sucked I mean it was I wasn't a good guitar player luckily I started doing some vocals while I was playing for them because he probably just drove on and in a bad mood and stuff, but he ended up asking me to be the singer and stuff. But, uh, but yeah, you know, there's so many memories of Ruben. I, I can't even begin to, to put them all in, uh, in this interview and stuff. It's just, just lots and lots of stuff. But I will say one thing is Ruben, uh, he always prided the tightness of the band. Like it had to be tight, man. Like when it, when, when we first started, we called it tighter than a nun's cunt. Like that's what he wanted the sound to sound like. He wanted it to where you could put a playing card in between each note. You know, like it was. It had to be super tight. And he chased people off, man. Like you know, if you didn't, if you didn't subscribe to that, you weren't made for imprecation, man. You, you had to go. You know, it took uh, took some decades and stuff for him to kind of loosen up a little bit on that because, uh, you know, me and uh, me and Milton you know we're both fans of a little bit of slop you know not a lot but you know just a little bit of a little bit of slop you know just to kind of make it raw and loose you know and Ruben's not a fan of that at all but it took us a long time to chip away at that and he finally allowed a little bit to pass but he was uh he had a uh uh work ethic in the band it was like uh it was like nobody else I've ever seen man it was uh it was pretty pretty uh strict and disciplined so
0: okay Th- thank you for sharing that man we appreciate that and um i just think myself and imprecation fans listening might just want want that little bit of insight because um, obviously i never got to speak to him Jeff maybe i don't know if you just want to g- give your recollection of what it was like working with him um and 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 meeting him and his kind of work ethic to the band that sort of thing
3: Sure. Um, Ruben, I think, was such an interesting figure because he had such a a vast uh, mind. Uh, He was incredibly creative, incredibly uh, singular in his vision. Like He didn't allow himself, I don't think, to really be influenced by anything outside of what he knew sounded right and looked right. Um, But he was so funny to me because when I really got to know him, I kind of regarded him as almost like this sort of yoda figure because (laughs) outwardly like kind of right right at the beginning where luke meets yoda and yoda's not revealing his power ruben was very humble very unassuming and very you, you just wouldn't predict that this guy was just this endless black well of like you know essential death metal and um i mean he was all you know he was always it, it it was all it was just a, such an interesting thing, but it, he was fully incorporated in that, and that uh, his vision informed his spirit, and his spirit informed his vision. And by that, I mean he was a generous guy, a good father, and a good husband, and a, a good friend. But then, at the same time, he was also he he had this essential grasp of darkness, and I admired him for that so much, and you know, getting to actually start working with him was a really a huge deal for me. Um, I guess the memory I'd like to share was uh, when we filmed the video for Bringer of Sickness, which we did on location at a uh, condemned Catholic hospital uh, that had a full, full-size full chapel in wow. it. Um, we filmed it on location in there and we were sitting there for hours. And I had I'd really Kind of bum rushed the rest of the band into my concept because we did a photo shoot there. And then I became convinced we needed to do the video there. And I'm like, okay, we got to spend $250 on candles, you know, (laughs) to to, to, light this room. And to their credit, they all agreed, Ruben agreed. And um, I just promised it was going to be the right thing. And then we, Got in there and I had handed out the candles to everybody and lit them all. We put them all over the altars and all over the the organ. There was a full-size organ that was was Ruben playing on in the video. So, altar, organ, um, pulpit, everything. We put candles all over everything and then sat back from it and Ruben was sitting in one of the pews just kind of and that was the only light in the room by the way. There was no lighting in the building other than what we brought with us and he's sitting there and just kind of illuminated by it and just had this really just amazed smile on his face. He kind of looked like you know when a little kid is looking at their first Christmas tree, he just had that wonder about him. And he just I, I knew he could see it all coming alive in front of him. And that that was just him, that that spirit.
0: All right man he,
2: he was very proud of uh of uh the way things were coming out and I just I really uh I really wish he could have seen the video. You know, I think he would, uh, he would have been proud of the way it came out. You know, uh, you know, Jeff and Eric worked really hard on it. And, uh, and it sucks because when you work hard on something, uh, it, it usually takes a little time. And unfortunately, yeah. unfortunately we ran out of time with Reuben on it, but, uh, in the same sense, uh, I feel very lucky that we uh, went ahead and stuck to our guns and made that video. It was just a loose idea that we had, like, why don't we capture where we are right now as a band in a in a video? I mean, why not? You know, we don't have anything like that. Let's go ahead and do one. You know, just so we can look back and say, that's how we were during that 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 album. And. Uh, and uh, so Reuben was all about it you know and uh, so we did it and I just feel lucky that we did because we got to capture him doing what he loved to do
3: yeah
0: that that's great man I really appreciate you guys sharing that um, that's exactly why I ask and I, like I said I ask respectfully um, and we appreciate his, his legacy and as you said before when he initially contacted you to reform the band it was to record a proper full-length album you ended up recording three proper full-length albums yeah um <laughs> yeah. And, and and other you know in other you know like you know uh, release splits and things like that um you know and i definitely want to dive into that new era of the band the new album if i pronounce this right in nomine diabali uh, uh,
2: in Nominee diabali and uh, how, I, don't, I don't know I'm American I could be saying it wrong but that's, I, that's I, you know, but in, in nominate the online
0: I'm from so. I'm from Long Island New York so I I have, <laughs> I can't pronounce anything right but it's on Dark Descent Records um and it will it will have been out for several days by the time people hear this interview um I just wanted to talk a little bit about this newer era of the band this new album um which I've been listening to and kind of like trying to review and listen to older material it It sounds like, this is just my take as a listener, Um, it sounds like when you guys came back with uh, Satane, Tenebris, Infinita, um, uh, the first kind of comeback album in 2013, uh, all the albums have a classic imprecation sound, but that sounded very old school. Uh, it sounds like maybe on this newer one, you guys have settled into a combination of that old school traditional death metal sound, but you still embrace the brutal death metal. There's like, um, I know this might not be a comparison you like, but for fans of Broken Hope or Suffocation, there's a lot of that brutal death metal there, even though the attempt might have a little bit more of that uh, occult depth. Is that fair?
2: Um, well, I'm not really. Uh a big fan of broken hope or anything like that, you know, but I, if you're hearing that and you like it, you're you know, like, what it, you know, it is what it is. You know, uh, we, um, we, uh, we, we made this album, you know, it just, it, we didn't think about it. We just did it. You know, uh, there was nothing there, but, uh, but you know our roots are shining through in a lot of this album too uh and, and that that would be bands like deicide and, and uh you know immolation morbid angel you know the, the the go-to's you know the ones the ones to me that that when you say death metal that i instantly think of you know like it, it's i don't think of and you know that's the way it should be and you know sometimes you know uh, When you hear things like suffocation, all stuff is because they all kind of came from that cloth too, you know. Uh, Yeah, like human waste. Human waste was totally influenced by Morbid Angel. It didn't sound like it, uh, but you know, I mean their name suffocation i'd be damned if they didn't get that from the song suffocation and <laughs> yeah. then the and then there's even a line in there on altars of madness where he goes where he says the word human waste and uh, i'm like uh you know that has to be the con- connection right there mm-hmm. when they started off i love human waste i think that's a great ep but I, I don't think they uh, really quite got. They they recaptured that. They lost it after that. They spilled their juice. <laughs> but,
3: uh, but I'd be inclined to agree that there are passages that have the kind of density um, that you see with uh, brutal death metal. I, I think the I think the difference is that brutal death metal doesn't have the same dynamic, and that they don't they don't usually know when to back off that density and, and let breathe and let those just words hang there and and sort of i don't know just loom over you um so yeah to dave's point all those all the brutal death metal bands they came from the same well they just ended up kind of tricking it out and i don't know uh taking it in their own direction yeah yeah just uh Brutal death metal to me is kind of like what kids are doing with Japanese cars these days, where they're slamming them and putting that huge muffler on them and that kind of thing, you know? <laughs>
0: as a fan of a lot of brutal brutal death metal you guys are making a lot of good points i got i got to agree with some of the things you're saying though um you know and i i love suff i'm from long island so i you know i love suffocation but i i got to agree with uh, what you said about the the band name the human waste reference the morbid angel reference it it all does chronologically kind of make sense without taking anything away from them and i guess you know all i'm getting at like i said there's some passages in the imprecation um, uh, work and that—that that I guess could please fans of brutal death metal. But you're—you're you're right. You guys know when to pull back and have some of that atmosphere. Um and the tricking the like the tricked out cars metaphor works better than I want it to. I think you're right about that <laughs> as as well. I mean I'm I'm gonna be honest here, but it's it's true. Uh, let me ask you this: um the the gore thing in general. Obviously, you know a lot of us enjoy our early autopsy and death and countable corpse. But do you think gore has been beaten to death and is kind of just like a safe route now lyrically?
3: Uh, I think it's a really it's a go to for when you don't have anything to say, but you want people to pay attention to you. Hmm.
2: Yeah, I, uh, it, it's kind of hard for me to, to, to really, you know, agree too much on any of those points. Cause to me, everything's been beaten to death, you know, <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's, it's just how you deliver it now. You know, I, I get asked in interviews sometimes, don't you find the Satan thing boring and a little bit outdated? And I'm like, What isn't outdated? You know, I know I don't find the same thing boring. If I did, I wouldn't be fucking singing about it. You know, uh, if you uh, don't like it, don't fucking listen. You know, like it's uh, to me, uh, it's just it's the way I like my death metal. But, you know, the gore thing, I have no problem with it. I can get into some of it. You know, it just depends on how it's delivered. You know, I'm I'm, you know, I'm good with that. You know, just it's just not really my thing all the time
3: time you know well it it turns into one of those what's grosser than gross contests and i I think i mean classic there's some classic bands like symphonies of sickness by carcass oh yeah fucking awesome um i like the first few cannibal corpse albums um stuff like that but yeah when that's just it again it's it it can it can really be used as a proxy for having any kind of bigger statement and i noticed that a lot of like the OSDM bands that are coming out now, which are really new school in their mentality. Um, they just go with gore always because you don't yeah. have to, you don't have to really think too hard about it to just talk about that oh, chopped off limbs, dead baby, whatever. vomit um,
2: drills, you know. So <laughs>
3: yeah, <laughs> autopsy, autopsy made that into a, a statement. They really did. They were really aggressively presenting that and going really over the top and it, Half of it was in the delivery, Chris Reifert was screaming like a psychopath about it. You knew he was kind of feeling those moments, not just going, eh, we're, we don't want to get into satanic sounds, eh, you know,
2: what's Fuck, going on. Fuck, man, Fucking <laughs> like an autopsy or gods, man. I mean, it's, you know, that, now that's Gordon Wright right there, you know, I mean, it's totally. Nothing can make my skin crawl more than hearing Torn from the Womb or Destined to fester or, you know, things like that, you know, like Seven Survival's album. I mean, it's 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 just fucking intense, man. You know, that's the way you do it, man. Or Symphonies of Sickness was fucking that and Rika Putrefaction. That's fucking gore yeah. done right. Um, as far as like newer bands, I mean I like things, you know, bands like Pissgrave and stuff, you know, they're to me they're doing it right too, you know. But you know uh, I don't really know a lot of the newer gore bands and stuff. I just know the the old classics, so <laughs> it is what it is.
0: So, fa- fair enough, man. Um, and I, I definitely see where you're coming from. Let me let me flip that on you um, res- now, respectfully. A lot of the imprecation material through the years has referenced uh, terms in Latin, which you know you obviously have to do a little bit of research if you really want to know what some of these album titles and song titles reference. Uh, You know, I don't want to. I'm not asking you to go through every single one and explain what it means, but maybe just explain for me and the listeners, like where some of that comes from. Are there specific texts that are very important to imprecation? Are these maybe some sort of ritualistic thing or belief based thing that you guys apply to your life uh, or to the band in some way? Like just a little bit of context, maybe for people who don't understand that.
2: Well, you know the whole Latin thing, you know. uh it's always been something that's like fascinated me at a, at a young age and stuff like you know hey watching the exorcist why uh, the uh, the exorcism scene when they're spouting out latin and fucking devils rising and spitting up fucking shit and everything it's it, it was it was sound badass but i always thought latin just sounded dark and then foreboding and stuff even like uh i even own a catholic mass album uh, uh, on, on on vinyl, and I will play that every once in a while. Just like listening, listen to the chanting and stuff. It's in Latin. It's freaking crazy. But the thing, the the thing about the Latin is, to me, it, 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 I've always liked the like Orthodox black metal, and they tend to uh, use a lot of Latin in uh, in their presentation, their album titles, their song titles you know bands like Funeral Mist and Offermod and you know like Old Mayhem like you know the, you know The Mysterious Days and stuff uh you know uh Tash Blood you know things like that they'll they use latin in their uh, in in their approach uh, just that's kind of like where i the presentation i wanted to go with you know i wanted it to uh, to kind of have that feel of like orthodox black metal and stuff you know it's just because that's the kind of shit i listen to um you know um but you know to to uh so thing uh a uh tenebris and that's the uh the uh infinite darkness of Satan. That's what that translates out to. Uh and Bestias is uh a way basically uh, condemned to the beasts. It's like you know what they did back in the uh the gladiator times in the days and stuff, they would uh they would either condemn you to a, uh, to the show in the Coliseum or they would cast you out of the city to, to fend for yourself with the, uh, wild, you know? Uh, but, uh, that's what that is. But, you know, but I'm looking at that as more like, uh, being plunged into fucking hell, you know, like, you know, being condemned to those beasts, you know, uh, in nomine Diabolize and simply in Satan's name, you know, in the devil's name. So I, I think it's
3: worth observing that, uh, Latin is also universal and timeless kind of like evil itself so I think that matches pretty well thematically
0: yep okay and and um, fair enough I appreciate that and Jeff I wanted to ask your input a little bit on this because like we mentioned before you were formerly in a band called averse Sephia who, in addition to a live album, um, a a split, you guys had four full-length albums. And if I'm not mistaken, this is going off of Metal Archives, Mm -hmm. um, the band's lyrical content basically had to do with sort of uh, an inversion or a negative version of the 20 angels emanating from the right and left hands of God in the Kabbalah. Um, That's that's kind of my... um, uh, like summarized version of what it says here. I was just wondering if maybe you could give a little context to that, and just, I, you know, I, I hate to ask you to to, to condense it, but you know, maybe like a Reader's Digest version of what that would what that kind of means for people who are interested in going back and checking out the Aversifera catalog.
3: Um, I'd just quickly say that um our early stuff had heavy Miltonian themes, and then we very quickly grew into um. A uh, variant on a kabbalistic system, uh, but instead of the Tree of Life, it was the Tree of Death. You know, everything part of that inversion. I mean, these are known uh, concepts for anyone who is doing those types of workings. Um, uh, ultimately, it was kind of our own mythology based on that. We weren't uh, just dict, you know, we weren't reciting things from like a, any official system, like many. Um, I don't know, explorers of those uh, realms. We kind of came up with our own mixed system. Um, The guy is the master of that as a prescriptor from ABSU that he really has a great understanding about hybrid systems and uh, um, sort of picking and choosing to sort of assemble uh, a path of his own. And we took some cues from that and the way we came up with our concept. So, um, yeah, I can't really sum it up any simpler than that, um, you'd have, you'd have to, you'd have to just get into it, read the lyrics and figure that out for yourself.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, these are obviously concepts which people would have to do a little bit of their own research. Um, but I just, I wanted people to know the kind of depth involved, um, Mm -hmm. and, and and in comparison maybe to like a lot of my favorite bands, even that just kind of do the, you know, the meat and gore thing because um, I'm from a little bit more of a death metal and grindcore background but this this is stuff that does have a lot of depth lyrically um and uh you know w- with that being said you guys have been very generous with your time uh you know as we wind down I just wanna first of all I want to make sure that I plug and promote that um and I'm gonna I'm gonna pronounce it as best as I can from Long Island New York here in nomine Diabali the uh new full length on dark descent records is out the 14th of October which has passed already um, but something the listeners can catch if they are in the area of Houston, Texas down there is November the 12th uh, you guys are having your album release show at the Black Magic Social Club in Houston, Texas with Black Jackal and Hexella did I get that correct?
2: yeah, yeah. Uh, it's uh, pronounced
0: Hexella uh, but, uh,
2: but yeah, yeah and uh, Discarnate Horizon is also going to be on that as well uh, it's going to be four bands it's going to be a hell of a show and it's at the black magic social club so if you're in the area it'll be an experience man i promise you that
0: fair enough man yeah and and um before we close out just quickly and i like i say respectfully again um, I just wanted to say rest in peace, obviously to Ruben, uh, Elizondo also, um, 2021, Wes Weaver, a, a former member, former guitarist of imprecation passed yes. away himself. Did, did either of you guys spend time in the band while he was in the band?
2: Well, yes, uh, I was, I was in the band from, uh, 91 to late 93. So, uh, uh, with Wes, uh, it was really cool because, um, I remember uh, we had this guy named Victor playing guitar play, uh, for us, and uh, he didn't work out, you know, clash of ideologies or whatever, you know, but uh, we, it was time to get a new guitar player. Uh, and uh, I, Wes had a, uh, a radio show called Sweet Nightmares, and uh, I was telling you about that earlier. And uh, so I called up the station uh, while i was working my graveyard shift at the time and uh and i asked him i was like hey look I, I don't know where else what else to do because you know I, there was no internet there was no you know there was really no way of getting the word out except for through the radio so i told him i was like can you let uh, uh the listeners know that is looking for a, a a guitar player you must be into evil shit you can't be uh you can't be uh against any of that otherwise this is not the right band for you we're not just looking for somebody to play brutal like we want somebody who's into the shit you know and he's like uh, well i could stop you right there i you know I, i'm i'm into it and i would love to try out for your band and i'm like what you know <laughs> like it was kind of weird you know like you know, hearing west weaver he was basically the voice of underground houston metal him and bill you know Bill Bates. And uh, here he is saying that he wanted to try out for us. And uh, so it was kind of weird at first. I was like, okay, uh, is Wes the right guy for this band? Like, you know, like, is he going to fit? You know? And I'm like, absolutely. He'll fit, you know, he's got the right mindset, you know, he, and you know, but you know, can he play guitar? We don't know. We shall see. And uh, he, I remember showing up at Francisco studios uh, where we rehearsed that, and he was outside our door, pacing back and forth, and uh, he had I remember he was wearing his glasses at the time and he had his guitar and one stock was lower than the other, you know, like it was one of those things. And he was he looked nervous as shit. And I was I remember being in his shoes at one point when I was trying out for the band. So it was kind of kind of was like a fond memory of him right there. And I was like, hey, man, relax, you're going to be fine, Wes. And he's like, cool. So he came in and he tore it up and we had no choice. You know, and uh, even though he didn't write anything for Imprecation, his presence uh, was definitely what we needed to complete our sound. You know, like him and Phil worked real hard together on their sound. And uh, and I think the rest is history, I guess, so to speak. You know,
3: it's also worth mentioning that West did go on to uh, have a really uh, great history with the band called Blaspharian. Oh, um, yes. And that is really awesome. If you haven't checked it out, I, I really consider that kind of a component band imprecation in many ways, just definitely a spiritual cousin of the band for sure. So Absolutely,
2: absolutely, man. And, and, and they're so missed, man. Everybody in that band was so cool. Uh, you know, like, well, except for one guy, but I'll leave him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Biclops, you know, like <laughs> I call him,
3: but, like uh, but,
2: yeah, yeah, but uh, anyhow, uh, you yeah, know, Blast Varian is is, uh, they were uh, really, really fucking dark and evil, man, and uh, it's, when they, when when West passed and that band wasn't able to go on anymore, and it was just, it's like we just have a big hole, right, you know, in Houston where uh, they were, and it's, uh, I don't know how it's going to be replaced, you know, so...
0: Well, I, I'm very sorry to to hear that, but out, out of respect for uh, Wes Weaver, we just wanted to get um, uh, get that question out of the way. And of course, for the listeners, Blaspharian did a split with Imprecation in 2014, so that's probably a good place to start if they want to start digging into that band.
3: Yeah, yes. um, their full length is amazing. So is their EP. I mean, they didn't have that many releases. I mean, it's it's all all easy to get a hold of. It's all right there. I mean, just just I'd say just dig in. grab it all at once it's it's all gonna rip your face off Uh,
2: uh, I'm sorry and and one thing I did forget to mention because we were talking about you know evil shit around Houston you know I, I totally forgot to mention but Thy Feeble Savior is another band that that doesn't get uh, a lot of recognition, but they, uh, you know, it's uh, if you like profanatica and things like that, man, that's you got to check out Thy Feeble Savior. You know, it's um, it's sick as fuck. You
3: know, and uh, Cemeterian is also good. Absolutely,
2: absolutely.
0: Thy Feeble Savior and Cemeterian. Uh, And that's a perfect segue right now because I always close out the interviews by asking our guests to take a turn and recommend one older and one newer release. It could be any, you know, EP demo album, whatever you want um, metal or otherwise, just, just each of you guys, if you could take a turn and recommend something from a little bit older and something from, you know, the last year or the last few years or whatever, just something old and something new for me and the listeners to check out.
3: Jeff, you go first. Um, Older, I would say um, Gehenna from Norway. Gehenna's album, Malice, their third album. That is a really great piece of symphonic black metal that still um, has a really evil core. Um, you know, don't let the term symphonic scare you away. It's, it's really dark, it's really authentic, and it's really, really well-written. Um, I really love that album, and, and I don't think that one gets nearly enough credit so that's definitely one i'd i'd recommend um newer oh my god there's uh so many albums out every month all the time um jesus (laughs) (laughs) i'm trying to i'm just trying oh ritualization everybody needs to check out ritualization um they're out on iron bonehead they're from france they are they are amazing. They're a really great band. They got a, they had a full length out from a couple of years ago that I just I, I totally love, and they just came out with a new EP that's also really amazing. So yeah, definitely check them out. Okay, great man. Thank you.
2: Yeah. So, um, man, older for me, man, is like the things that I would say um, are things that you should know. Or you, you know, you better know. But if you're somebody who just stumbled into the scene and you're trying to find a good fucking place to start, where everything starts, to me is Seven Churches from Possessed. Uh, that's that's the album that gets uh, gets me going. You know, it's, I still listen to it religiously uh, to this day. It's to me, it sounds uh, as comparable as anything that's come out up to this point, you know, it. it sounds, still sounds wicked to me. Uh, it was a bunch of pimply faced teenagers that were used as a lightning rod and, uh, they didn't know, but they were releasing some, uh, some demons and some, some true devils out of those speakers when they, uh, when they re- recorded that never captured it ever since that point, but, uh, seven churches would be my absolute go-to. I've always been a big Slayer fan growing up, but that that one album, uh, from possessed does it for me. Um, as far as, uh, newer stuff, uh, like Jeff it's like, I, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't, Jeff listens to a lot more newer stuff than I do. Cause he has his, uh, his radio show, uh, metal enema, uh, plug, plug, <laughs> his podcast. Uh, but, uh, listen to that by the way, if you, uh, you want some good, uh, good stuff, they play nothing but good music. Uh, but as far as newer stuff, I mean, some of it's not so new things like slut vomit and stuff like that. Um, but, uh, like things that came out this year, I would go with church of disgust. Uh, yes. yes. Headbangers. Uh, that's, I'm not just saying that because they invited me on one song. It's just a really good fucking album, man. It's solid. It's sick and not enough people talk about it. Uh, also, uh, uh you know, Hexaya and Black Jackal will have some really good things to listen to. And that's why we invited them on our album release because, uh, both those bands have some real sick shit coming out, man. So if you're a fan of, uh, of like true authentic fucking speed thrash, uh, listen to Black Jackal. Uh, if you want some, uh, old Hellhammer vibes and things like that, but with a, a fresh, uh, twist, listen to Hexaya. Um, and no, no, she's, uh, she's a beast on those vocals. I fucking love listening to her, her and JD are fucking awesome, you know, but, uh, those are my recommendations, you know?
0: Uh, okay, man. Appreciate it. And, um, Jeff, that would you have a, a podcast
3: metal enema. Yeah, that's right. I've uh, been doing that for that, that, that podcast, that show's hilarious because it spawned two of my bands, um, <laughs> Back, back when it was on FM uh, here in Austin, when I first started it on college radio, that's how Averse Severo was formed, because me and my co-host formed the band out of the show. And then um, I've kept it going. Uh, it's now, like everything else on earth, it's a podcast. You can, you can check it out at metalinima.com. There's literally hundreds of, sh- of hours worth of shows on there from all the way back from 9, 6 to now. Um, currently... Uh, imprecation guitarist Nick Norris is my co-host with me, and then he and I, in the course of doing that show, we formed a newer band called Trenchant out of that. So yeah, it's it's a it's a it's it's dedicated to death, black, and thrash. That's all you're going to hear, and then our commentary on it. And, uh, yeah, I've been keeping that alive for a long, long time. Just you know, there's no money involved or anything like that. It's simply just to support the bands and get the word out.
0: Fair enough, man. I can definitely appreciate where you're coming from with that. Um, and my my bandmates all end up doing a shift or two as um, a co-host here and there, too, man. So I, I know how it is. You, they kind of go hand in hand. Um, we encourage our listeners to definitely check that out, man, because people, are, if they got this far into the interview, they might want to get a little bit more insight into your scene and your history, man. And, of course, we encourage people, if they're in the area, um, to go down and check out that um, uh, Black Magic Social Club in Houston, Texas on the 12th of November for the album release show. If they can't make it, we want you to go and check out uh, not just the new album and nominate Diabali um, uh, on Dark Descent Records, but you have three full-length albums on Dark Descent Records in addition to uh, different splits and EPs that came out, if people can find them wherever. Guys, I really appreciate your time and you coming on the show, and I'm just going to give you the opportunity now, if you want to plug and promote anything else that we failed to mention. I know there's a lot of side projects and bands and things like that, or if there's any other shows coming up, I don't know.
2: Um, I guess with me, um, de- definitely uh, if you like uh, things like uh, Sam Hain and the Misfits and uh, Old uh, Possessed and Bathory and stuff, I have a band called Wolf Skull. Uh, you should check it out. We have uh, stuff available on Goat Throne Records. Uh, it's very uh, raw punk uh, mixed with uh, old classic thrash and black metal uh, it's uh, it's uh you know something to check out if you uh, if you're into that kind of stuff
3: um, and I mentioned it just a moment ago uh, Nick and I have a different band that Nick is the front man for called trenchant and we've got a full-length out uh, called command cult on um, uh, gods of war records that's been out for uh since the spring. So, uh, yeah, definitely check that out. That since you'd asked about a Versafira, I would just say for people wondering why they should listen to it, if, if they're interested in a Versafira, that's probably the closest I'm ever going to get to that again in terms of just the, the concept. So, that's there to check out as well
0: okay man excellent man I, I appreciate you guys and um we're we're gonna be on the lookout for whatever you guys are doing next and checking out that new album uh just a- as we close out guys any final messages for imprecation fans and listeners of the podcast
3: jeff you can go first Um well i'd i'd say thanks for all this the support especially now it, it's kind of incredible to see this real outpouring of uh I don't know, the, the new album has a real visible momentum and electricity about it. And of course, that wouldn't be possible without everybody supporting it. So thank you to anybody who's doing, doing that already. We really do appreciate it. And we never, we never assume it's going to go that way. So I, I think that's really fantastic. Uh, I'd also like to quickly say anyone who is worried about gatekeeping. Yeah. <laughs> Uh,
0: i i I think i think i lost you i lost you there man i'll say it where did you where'd you lose me Uh, about gatekeeping if you want to say it again
3: i I was like i got a dead silence i'm like you didn't like that one i I was just gonna say anyone who's that concerned with gatekeeping needs to leave the scene and get into beekeeping (laughs)
0: <laughs> all right, man. I hear you now. Well, you know, the way the scene is now with the OSDM thing, the beekeeping kind of goes hand in hand. You know, it's all about, like, you got to have a farm and you got to do everything. You know, like, like it, it's, it's a very ecologically minded black metal scene now, t- depending what band. I'm not going to throw any names out there. Um... But I, I I definitely appreciate the sentiment, man. If you got a problem with the gatekeeping, get into the beekeeping. Um, <laughs> Jeff <laughs> Jeff Tandy and Dave Herrera of Imprecation from Houston, Texas. I thank you guys very much for your time, man. We're gonna be in touch as this episode goes up. Thank,
2: thank you very you. much for having us on, man. Heavy hole rules.
3: It was a pleasure. Thanks a lot.
2: Down
0: upon the cross Dunn and bleeding Blood from the in blood,
2: bleeding the scorched
0: Thank you very much to Jeff Tandy and Dave Herrera of uh, Imprecation for checking in on this special Halloween episode, man. Great to speak with those guys, get a little insight into the history of the band. Um, And as we said, of course, uh, much respect and uh, rest in peace to Ruben Elizondo and Wes Weaver, uh, you know, of the the band while they were still with us here, man. Um, uh, Moving on, though, Rick, you're still with me here.
1: I'm still here, buddy.
0: Um, good to have you along for the ride, man. We were talking about that Staten Island Halloween before, so there's a little Halloween in you. It's just not the more performatory aspect, performative yeah, aspect.
1: A little bit, of, a little here and there, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm not a, I'm a much of an a exhibitionist in this nature.
0: <laughs> Fair enough, man. Well, something that you do exhibit is a, a tendency to recommend some pretty good metal albums. Um, and I'm going to let tried. you, yeah, I'm going to let you take the gentleman's turn and go first tonight. Cause I, we both brought something a little enchanting to the table. I think yours is probably the most Halloween appropriate. Um, and probably it's very, it's a little bit adjacent to our guest tonight. I think it's appropriate, man. So let's, let's rip right into that. Um, that old school black metal release you brought in.
1: Yeah, so this is an oldie and a classic, and you know this isn't going under the uh, this you know this isn't digging too deep or anything like this, but this is a record here that everyone should know, and it's Sam L's Ceremony of Opposites, mm-hmm. Century Media Records, nineteen ninety four, original pressing. Um, yeah, that album. Um, uh, I think you know I I kind of lost interest. Not interest, but I kind of lost track of these guys around 99 or so, so I don't really know what's going on with them these days. Uh, I think this might have been the last album with the drummer before they went with the drum machine. They went pretty industrial after this, you know, industrial metal-ish kind of stuff. Um, But this album was still retaining a little bit of that old black metal edge from uh, the first two albums. Uh, This is their second century media record. Um, The first one... um, uh, wasn't worship uh, blood ritual yeah and uh that was a good album and i had i used to have the fucking the double disc uh issues century media two cd issue of the first two albums i think that was like a 93 release of uh, worship him and blood ritual that was sick too but i lost that in the flood i gotta get another copy of that but yeah good band man good record uh i listened to it last night actually awesome record fuck yeah a lot of good riffs it's a little kind of you know uh industrial like like we were talking tinge with the guitars you know and and maybe a little bit of the drums but uh you can see them going in that direction, but still has that black metal edge.
0: Yeah, this was cool, man. I am admittedly not entirely familiar with this band. Obviously, I've heard of them and I've, I've seen this album cover, and um, you know, it's just not—it wasn't my my end of the scene getting into this music, but. I believe it was the book Black Metal Evolution of the Cult. Um, Dale uh, Patterson um, that I read a, a year or two ago that had a section on Samuel and their evolution. I'm pretty sure it was that book. And it was intriguing because they talked about how the band experimented with electronic influences and had different phases through... Um, right. uh, you know there are different eras through their career and this is I, I felt like this was a good starting point for me personally Um, to, to get into them this was a really cool album the way mm. it goes mostly mid paced uh, right. it, it doesn't really speed up too much it, it's actually got a lot of groove though I don't know if It was intended as groove the way we, you know, we think of it like it it reminded me a little bit almost of like older Celtic Frost at times the way they they are. They kind of just have that steady mosh. You know, it doesn't necessarily pick up the pace too much. Um, They
1: are countrymen. Yeah. They are are Swiss. Yeah. There's not many too many Swiss uh, metal bands that really took, you know, took center stage like Celtic Frost and these dudes.
0: Yeah, this the, that's that's another reason why it's interesting because Celtic Frost obviously had a different sound and they changed in much different ways. Um, you know, when they when they started putting out uh, what was a Cold Lake that was like the big <laughs> shift. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: but cherry orchards. Uh, yeah, I, I'm just
0: making the point that maybe those bands, uh, being from a, a country that didn't have like a huge reputation or regional sound, they kind of felt more free to do what they wanted. I don't know, but. Th- this album, it, really cool, and I want it was something that struck me too. We have a lot of people that listen to this program, probably that got into th- to this type of music through new metal and deathcore, uh, younger people, whatever, which is fine, man. I'm not knocking any of that stuff, and I'm also not saying that this is a deathcore album, but this is a really good example of kind of mid-paced, riff-oriented, yeah. mosh-oriented metal. Um And it, it kind of shows that you can do a lot of, th- that you can write a metal song and compose a really cool metal song without just relying on breakdowns um and, you know, or making it a funeral doom song without necessarily relying on speed as an element, you know? So I'm trying, I'm, I'm fumbling over my words right now, but I'm just trying to make the point that this is a really good example of groove oriented metal and maybe an example of, of um what, what would separate like a mid paced slower metal song from just another deathcore song with a bunch of breakdowns thrown together. Uh, you know, this is like a really good lesson in that. And it's also, it's not just that there's, there's elements of atmosphere. Like you said, you could start to see the little tinges of them experimenting with electronics and industrial, Mm -hmm. but it's not full on. I think this is the
1: next album would go that way. Passage.
0: Yeah. I think this is album seems like, seems like this is a sweet spot between sounds for them.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's why it's my favorite album of theirs. Um, and it's probably their most, I, I don't know, it, it might be like, you know, to the dudes, it, it's, it might be their most popular album, I would I would assume, or what the album they're known for, you know, their classic album, well, I think.
0: As an outsider who hasn't followed them much, this album cover in particular is the one that I always associate when mm. I when I hear them right. brought up. You know, it's like the biggest one. It's very iconic artwork as well. But um, re- yeah, re- I
1: missed them. I missed them, and uh, they toured for this album. Jeez, oh, I just read who they toured with, and it was blew my mind. It was it was in '94, U.S. up and down the East Coast too. And I don't know what the fuck I like how I missed it. I had this album, you know, I was right out of high school when it happened, so I would have totally been going to shows and. Who was it with? Uh, I'll have to look it up in a second. I don't have it. I don't have the phone or whatever. But uh, it was a, it was a yeah, a shame that I missed them live back on this tour when I could have seen them easily. So uh,
0: yeah, <laughs> I'm looking it up. Hold on.
1: U.S. tour with Cannibal Corpse. With Cannibal Corpse, 23 days up and down the East Coast. That was the only um, U.S shows for this album actually their first u.s shows and then after you know with the full band yeah so it would have been cannibal corpse in mid-94 they toured this album yeah up and down the east coast too It would have been sick it would have been sick to see
0: going uh back across the pond here um to our friends in the United Kingdom to check out enchantment with their full-length album Dance the Marble Naked coincidentally we didn't plan this another century media records release
1: and the same year i think 94. It was 94
0: interesting we didn't plan on that yeah. at all man no, yeah. uh, no
1: no no well listen this is yeah. a great this was century media in their prime this was the great label at this time
0: And we just recently had um, Mike Monday from Frozen Soul, uh, Century Media recording artists on the program. Century Media, feel free to cut me a check or send me a free vinyl or something, man. Come on. (laughs) I'm doing my best out here. Um, But, yeah, this uh, uh, Enchantment, man, this is kind of like a very random album, in my opinion. I mean, I guess, you know, it it came out at a time where this stuff was big. It was, you know, they were a... um, uh, an English band. They were from, uh, it says Black Blackpool, Lancashire. So that might make sense to someone over there. To me, it's just across the pond. Um, and I guess that kind of stuff, you know, 94, you're coming out of that big uh, era for like, you know, like, come on, Rick, uh, talk that shit. What, My yeah, Dying so Bride, let me here, uh, yeah, mass, so, yeah.
1: So this is a, an English <clears throat> doom band here. So you're talking about Anathema, Paradise Lost, My Dying Bride, right at the same time. Okay, so and, and famously these guys had a multi uh multi uh, album deal. I think it was a five album or seven album something long album deal with Century Media. Mm. Century Media I think was kind of banking on these guys to be there doing that, you know, cuz My Dying Bride and those bands were on Peaceville. This was just my kind of what I'm thinking here and they broke up immediately after this album. They just broke up and they can't, you got back together this year, I don't know if you know that, and put out a new album with this lineup, Well, I 25, see, 30 years later.
0: I see now that they put out Cold Soul Embrace. Yeah. Uh, I, I, can, I guess it, um, Cosmic Key Creations. Um, that's, first of all, great that they could uh, do that, because it says here also on, um, oh, no, Transcending Records uh, right, that, that came right. out on, Good yeah. Label. Uh, and which is good though, because it also says they had a six-record deal with Century Media mm. Records, so it's good that they were able to work the logistics out on that one and, and go to a, a label, um, that made a little bit more sense for them nowadays. This dance, the marble naked though, it's not your typical British no. doom from the no, time, it's period. very
1: melodic. I find it yeah. very melodic a lot. I mean, those other bands are melodic too. My Dying Bride and Athema, they had great guitar harmonies and stuff like that. The one thing that put me off to this album always, and I and re- listening to it over the last couple of years, which I have, um, I warmed more to the vocals. I, the, the vocals kind of reminded me of Darren White from Anathema, former the old Anathema vocalist. Which was the one thing about old Anathema that kind of rubbed me the wrong way was the vocals. Kind of reminds me of Barney Greenway a little bit, also a little bit. You know, you, I don't know if you heard that, but the yeah. vocals were the one part.
0: That is a very specific vocal style that I think you have to get just right for it, for it to be palatable to me personally, man. Like, yeah, that,
1: where it's not a growl, it's more like a scream, like a bellow. You know what I mean? You took kind the word, you,
0: you took the words out of my mouth. It's a bellow. It's it's, nice. de- it's 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 definitely like from the gut, throat wide open bellow. Barney Greenway did it great right uh still does it great um but there it's the thing about that vocal the same way my the frog vocals that i do the guttural vocals yeah you could very easily turn it into a Pee Wee herman or a kermit the frog if your voice breaks while you're doing it that Mm -hmm. bellowing type of vocal very easily turns into like drunken not barney greenway but barney from the simpsons
1: (laughs) i can totally hear that man yeah 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 fuck yeah
0: yeah it, you, you can easily go from one barney to the other um yeah and some uh, you know that's the problem like i know what you mean because some of these older metal records it's not just that too there was another record that we're going to talk about on a, on a different episode that you recommended to me mm. um but it was a similar thing where it was a great right. metal album from the early 90s everything was, the you know the music the composition everything was hitting but the vocals just sounded uh, uh, like compare comparably raw, like t- to the music. It sounded like mm-hmm. maybe they had, they had refined their music by the second or third album or whatever the case was, but the vocals just had this kind of drunken bellow to them. Mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. And they hadn't really found their, their proper, you know, Chuck shoulder or Barney Greenway or whatever the case was, uh, whatever type of vocal they might've been going for. So yeah, that's, it takes a little getting used to, but there's a charm to it. There's yeah, so, totally,
1: totally. It does take some getting used to for me, anyway. But the music always was there for me, man. It was, oh, well, they were always locked in with the <laughs> harmonies and the good melodies, and 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 they would they would go fast too. They weren't just a slow, <laughs> you know, m- melodic, you know, methodical doom band. They 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 kind of, if you listen to the first My Dying Bride album, there was a bunch of death metal in there too. You know, so this kind of l- reminds me of the first "My Dying Bride" album, and this album reminds me of a mixture of the first Anathema album and the first "My Dying Bride" album. Sorry about that. It, it, it takes it takes the uh, melody and um, the uh, the harmonies of my of Anathema and the vocal stylings, combined with the speed at times of "My Dying Bride" and all. You know, it, it's a mixture of all, and and it's it's recorded in the same studio. And it's engineered by Mags, who's the legendary Peaceville Records engineer that engineered all those albums. So it's the same, It's the same, you know, that's why it might sound similar. Uh tone-wise, guitar tone-wise to uh Anathema Serenades. To me, it does. That's that's uh, that's yeah.
0: interesting too, because this band Century Media being Obviously, in the long run, a bigger, more long-running label than Peaceville Records. Um, but this band being a little bit more obscure in comparison to the Peaceville roster.
1: Yeah, just because they broke up right away. Yeah. You know, who knows what would have happened? Uh, I don't know if the album was well received or not at the time. I had it. Uh, oh yes, uh, it's another thing about this record. A uh, side, little side story here. When when My Dying Bride came to America in '97 and they toured with Dio and I was lucky enough to see them. Um, I don't want to sound like a crazy person, but I was lucky enough to see them without Dio and they were headlined. So for me, that was the jackpot. And um, prior to the show at at Coney Island high, I saw um, Aaron Stainthorpe at the bar and I walked up to him and I'm like, Hey man, yeah, you know, we're talking and, this, um I start talking about doom metal and we're chatting about records and I bring this album up and I don't know, I don't, I don't think he liked it, I don't know if he liked it <laughs> and, and, and now thinking back, you know, maybe there was some sort of like, I don't know, rivalry or anything but the big three, the peaceful big three was annoying to these guys a lot of times in the press, they're compared with all these bands, these other bands all the time, you know and maybe the, who's these who are these guys also putting out records on century i don't know I don't okay but you know i, I don't know he, he he was nice about it but um here i am asking oh what do you think about uh enchantment dance the marble naked and what do you think about this paradise lost and he's probably like, get the fuck away from me now he was, he was a real real nice guy though and, uh, that was a memory. Uh, every before. every
0: everybody plays the Punisher sometimes.
1: <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It, it's
0: happened, man. I, yeah. I, I my, I think my most recent Punisher I, a few years ago, a band I was in performed uh, in support of Horrendous, um, great band, and uh, I think at the end I had had a few drinks, and at the end of their set when they were trying to put their gear away, I was I was chewing their ear off about. I don't know about their subgenre of death metal being awesome, and, I, <laughs> it, <just> got, <laughs> and it got to a certain point, and then the the um, I think the last I think I also I, I'm gonna admit I like, do I'm a, I'm above the table with the listeners I say this all the time man I'm not gonna risk uh, um I'm, I, I don't care about risking embarrassing myself the uh, the singer on death one time when we played up there in Rochester one time man I was chewing his ear off about trying to get him on the podcast and I, I looking back I had nasty garlic breath. <laughs> um yeah, it's so you gotta watch yourself out there, man. Don't be like Big Will, man. What? chew your gum, <laughs> chew your gum, choose your words. That those that's my advice to the Punishers. Chew your
1: gum, beautiful choose words your words. <laughs>
0: shout, yeah. shout to Undeath. And shout to Enchantment from England. We wish them the best. You said they
1: put out a new album this year. Did you get to check it out? I have not like I, I was hyped about it and then kind of just forgot about it for some like, I don't know, I just blanked out about it. And then recently, uh, when you had told me well, yesterday, you told me you were going to talk about this album here. Uh, I was like, oh, shit. Uh, yeah. And I got to listen to it. All right.
0: So so we're going to we're going to bring the listeners in right now and catch them up to speed. And then we're going to listen to this and talk about it on a later date, their newer album. All right. Here's the classic uh, dance, the marble naked. All right. But keep your pants on. We're back from that. Um, Enchantment, dance the marble naked. So we had two, um, two enchanted, mystical uh, uh, recommendations from back in the day. Um, and there was a ho- media. somebody played a Century Media played a Halloween trick on us. I, <laughs> didn't, it, I didn't even know we were going to be recommended two Century Media records from the same year. Man, that was a yeah. little bit. It's a creepy coincidence here on the Halloween episode. I don't know, <laughs> but Rick, we were talking before about how you. You dipped into the mischief end of Halloween as a kid. Oh yeah. Not really one for the more performative aspects or the um the ritualistic aspects of Halloween, the Hall- the Halloween movies, the costumes, all the yeah, dressing up, no. Nah. Do you get trick-or-treaters out in the woods where you live now?
1: Um <clears throat> Uh there are there are trick-or-treaters, um, but if you keep your porch light off, they don't they don't bother you. So <laughs> off it goes.
0: I love it. Wow, yeah. true grinching on Halloween, man. Yeah, yeah, you know how it goes, man. Out there in the Poconos, you might see Tone Baldone up out there in a ski mask. He's not trick-or-treating, all right? Just just keep a low profile. Word. Shout the Tone. Uh well, Rick, in the spirit of Halloween, you know, we normally talk Halloween movies and horror movies and things mm-hmm. like that a little bit around this time of year. And I thought I'm not gonna lose this opportunity. Um, you not being much of a horror movie guy, you're you know, you like to listen to the music, you don't really like to sit there and watch the flicks. I get it. Uh I thought I would recommend to you and to maybe a few of our listeners a couple of horror movies um that might make that might pick your interest in some way um uh sounds you, good man I mean, yeah. maybe,
1: I'll, maybe i'll check these out
0: um recommend those uh, no now, regular listeners of the podcast are going to know where i'm going with a couple of these i've talked about them at length before because if i'm going to recommend horror movies to someone who's not really familiar or into it i'm going to try to go for the best or the 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 funniest or whatever man so it's probably okay. something i brought up here before but i'm going to talk to now to you now um I want you to check out, if you ever have the opportunity, Demons, a.k.a. Dimani, the Italian movie. It's... That I have
1: seen. Okay. And the second one. I've seen both of those.
0: All right. So we're back in familiar heavy hole Halloween territory. We revisit those once a year over here, Rick. Now, okay. now, now, Rick, I know you're not a horror movie guy.
1: Right, right, right. I, right.
0: I know it takes a little bit more than a jump scare to, to get you quick on your feet out there. You know, you, you're not really easily scared. Honest opinion, let's be brutal here. Let's talk about it. how long ago did you see those movies? Uh,
1: probably in 97, 1997, I saw them one time each. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, you know, I remember a guy named Tony in both of those movies. I think it was, uh, it was a guy named Tony. He gets killed. I think in both of those movies. Uh, that's the only thing I remember really about him, about those movies. Um, a guy named Tony. I don't, I don't killed. retain. I, I don't. I don't retain much when I when I watch a picture or, or a, you know a film or a story or something of this. Fair nature. enough. I, Fair yeah. enough.
0: Well, the listeners can go back. I did talk about these movies at length and I only want to recommend them because they have brilliant soundtracks that mm. stand the test of time. Um, whether or not you're into the gore and the blood and the special effects, which are credible for these movies for the time. Sure. Um, the kind of, uh, disjointed, occult explanation for what's going on. That's never fully explained the mist, You know, we, it's a mystery, um, uh, you know, there's, there's, there, there's a lot. I love these movies. I love the the second one takes place in this apartment building, so it's got this kind of claustrophobic, uh, y- you know, like uh, a catacomb of different rooms and hallways feel. Uh, the first one takes place in a movie theater. They have fun mm, with that, like. Right. But the but here's why I'm bringing it up on the podcast, and why I will always recommend these as the best movies for the heavy hole podcast because the soundtracks. The first one mm. is metal decidedly, you know, not look, we're not going with Possessed and Slayer, okay? But they do they they do pick some really good heavy metal t- uh uh cuts and we've talked about this if you go back and look up our old Halloween bonus episodes. The second one has more of a uh, I guess we'll say dark new wave and kind of British rock of the time of the eighties. That you know, that kind of very dark, atmospheric rock. I, I don't want to say goth too much, but it was not. It wasn't as metal, and it was decidedly more new wave. Um, but whoever curated the soundtracks for those movies really did an excellent job.
1: What year were those movies? Eighty four, eighty five, around there. Do you remember? Uh,
0: I'd have to do the research. Eh, that's all right. But yeah. um, they're yeah, they're from the. Yeah. They're both from the 80s, and again, they're kind of like your, um, they're not necessarily zombie movies, but they they follow the same, uh, you know, same narrative, so to speak, as most zombie movies, you know, but it's really, for me, yeah, Demons was 85, uh, and um, it looks like they might have remade it, or somebody might have, like, called a movie Demons, at least, I don't know, man, which is kind of...
1: Yeah, I'm gonna check out and see if they're available, easily available these days on these uh, these platforms here that I fucking pay for, uh, <laughs> for. Some reason.
0: Yeah, check it out, man. They're definitely worth a shot, um, especially if you got some uh, allegedly edibles around. I don't know, you know. Now, I'm gonna bring up another. I'm gonna shoot. I feel like this one is another one you might be familiar with because it's not really a horror movie it has horrific aspects Mm -hmm. but it's also i feel like something you could get through with somebody who's not necessarily a horror movie buff have you ever seen district nine
1: no i have not
0: that is uh peter jackson um Mm. before he was the lord of the rings i guess uh he, he, he did um this District 9 movie. Let me look at it up real quick. Movie, so, okay.
1: Yeah, I, I thought it was later, but yeah, I guess it was before that if it was Peter Jackson. Yeah. Um, 90s, huh?
0: I got to get, yeah, two, no, 2009 film. So it was actually, oh. it was after the Lord of the Rings movies, I guess. It was 2009. Okay. okay. Really good movie. They took full, of, like, if you like the, um, again, I'm thinking of if you want to be kind of immersed in the atmosphere, you know, they, they have a lot of. The special effects, the the look of spaceships and aliens and everything is kind of realistic. It's funny enough where you can kind of laugh at it and you don't have to take it hyper seriously, but and they they the way it's portrayed, the narrative is kind of similar to like those TV shows like The Office, that fake documentary. I see. Type of thing, and they 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 take advantage of that. There's a lot of humor. It's a okay. it's it's funny, but it's also kind of they try to make it r- realistic to the setting in a way. Right. Um. And there's really as they progress through the story of the of of the movie, they are they do manage to kind of draw you into some of the they they add. I'll say this they add a lot of depth to certain characters that you thought might have only been there for comic relief and mm. by the end of the movie you feel like um they they'll, they'll they're they'll, they'll tug at your heartstrings a little bit and portray a very like human story out of what you thought was just kind of like this comedic bug out for the okay. fir- for, for the beginning of the movie you know what i mean they kind of draw it's you good. in with this absurd humor and kind of ridiculous sci-fi thing and there's a lot of payoff too for like mm. anyone who just wants crazy special effects and uh, extraterrestrial technology and space, you know, like there's all those big uh, eye candy payoffs are there as well. So maybe sounds good. technically more of a science fiction movie, but again, we're kind of, I'm trying to paint the outer limits here of, I'm not trying to do a deep dive on horror. People can go back. We did, we had Adam Rotella on for Halloween last year for a huge mm. bonus episode Uh, If you want to go that route, but I I just want to, and and, uh, the last movie I want to bring up now, um, we're going to go straight, like cult classic here is we're kind of like going back to the old school, like you recommending me an old uh, seventies hard rock album, like a proto metal album. I want to talk about Nosferatu Mm. from 1922. Mm, mm, Um, mm. Maybe you've heard of uh, Max Schreck. He was the the actor in it who famously. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I saw this in you know school. Uh, we we had to watch it in, in class and in a uh, film class or whatever the fuck class mm-hmm. it was. And I also remember Typo Negative uh, put a uh, <laughs> they re-released it in the nineties with a Typo score um, for the movie.
0: Is can you find that like on YouTube and still watch it?
1: I don't I don't know. I I never really looked into it, but I remember it being a thing when it was coming out. It must have been like around ninety seven or so.
0: Did you ever get I've, to see that?
1: No, I did not. No, I did not. That is did pretty not see it, nor did I, I I don't know if it was I I think it was just songs. Like I don't think it was an original typo score. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. I okay. I don't really know. I just remember it being released.
0: Well, I'm I'm looking this up. Yeah, t- there's something on YouTube. Uh, that you could find, I guess that maybe it's supposed to line up with the movie, like like okay. the dark side of Oz, Pink Floyd type of thing. Maybe that's what it was. Yeah, um, a collection of typo negative songs over the classes. so it, people can look this up. That's I never realized that, man. Um, mm-hmm. Ro- Roger Waters was on Joe Rogan, and he and I think he 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 said that um, they never intended for any Pink Floyd right. album to sync up with any movie. What, have you
1: ever tried that? I did one time, yeah. I think there was a two. I think um, Metal also syncs up supposedly with two thousand one. A Space Odyssey um, is it? Echoes the song Echoes from Metal, the nineteen seventy one album. I think that's also syncs up with a scene in two thousand one. Supposedly, I, that one I did. Allegedly, I did not try that one. Um, the uh, this Wizard of Oz one, maybe thirty years ago. I, I vaguely remember <laughs> doing
0: it. All right, man. I, well. I've never tried that. I'm intrigued. But now when I'm, I was going to recommend you this movie, Nosferatu. Because like you said, people watch it in film school. Most people are it's familiar with stuff, it. Man. Yeah, most yeah. people are familiar with it on this kind of like peripheral level or i watched it in school once level i i recommend now i'm going to recommend trying it with the typo negative soundtrack to be Mm. perfectly honest i think that's interesting Mm. but i recommend everybody in their adult life take take a few moments and and try to watch that movie you know if Mm. if you're going to watch a horror movie if you're going to spend your time watching movies take a few minutes with that one and try to enjoy it as an adult on your own without this um scholastic intent, we'll say, Um, you know, and just try to say it
1: was 1922, 1922. Fuck, that's 100 years, man. Jesus,
0: 100 years this year. Wow. Yeah, 100 years old this year. So that would lead me to to wonder if they're doing any kind of, like, retrospectives on this or special releases in movie theaters, if you have, like, your more independent uh, cinemas Mm. um, around the world, around the United States or around the world, that's something to at least Google um, for the listeners. I'm going to look that up, too, because I imagine maybe in New York City or... Uh, somewhere there's probably going to be a showing of that um, coming up this week. But again, just like, you know, if you're not a horror movie person, if you're not watching all these, you know, movies out there, and you know, that that's something that at least you can kind of appreciate on an artistic level, I think, and just immerse yourself yes, in really. the atmosphere. I never knew about this typo negative thing. Now I got to, I want to rewatch it with that in mind.
1: I, 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 Man, I, I remember it being a release. I think that it was like a CD or something. Or uh, excuse me, a DVD. Um, I don't remember at this point, but yeah, fair look enough. look into it for sure.
0: It's there. You can get it on YouTube. I know, so you can at least check cool, it out. and cool. you know, sync it up in your own home box office. Nice. Um, but yeah, so th- those would be my three, man I've been going for a while And I could keep going, man, with these movies I've watched a few too many of them myself, man But a uh, big, big shout and thanks again to Dave Herrera and Jeff Tandy of Imprecation Our guest this evening I thought it was a very appropriate Halloween and Day of the Dead weekend um, uh, uh band To to feature Imprecation We urge you to check out all of their albums um, and releases over the years Especially their new one uh, thanks again to those guys, Rick. Thank you for, um, co-manning the ship with me and, uh, ain't
1: no problem. Anytime, man.
0: Bringing you brought a recommendation. I brought a recommendation. You said you weren't Halloween. Turns out you're a little more Halloween than me in some ways. You In know, some
1: ways a little bit, you know, as far as uh, the the wedding anniversary, I kind of I'm tied into it, you know, so it's, it, it makes it like a thing. But we don't really, you know, go crazy or anything
0: now without, you know, as comfortable as you, you are with the, talking about your, your personal life. But what's the story with that? Your wedding anniversary is Halloween. You're not a Halloween. Is, is your wife a Halloween person or what? What's uh, the
1: story there? I- you Know it, it, it fell on a Saturday, and at the year we, we were gonna do it, we were gonna get married, and it, it was uh, you know, it was like, here's a list of dates uh, available, <laughs> and then we said, oh, that you know would be cool, you know, a party atmosphere and such, and so we we chose that day, and that's basically how it happened. Interesting, you know. Yeah, we had like masquerade masks and, and these uh, things of this nature uh, for each, you know, each person or whatever. You know, a little, little touch of uh, Halloween there. And it was, it was a good, it was a good wedding, man. The Yankee game was on. It was the World Series. It was on <laughs> all the TVs there. It was beautiful. Wow. Was uh, you know, Sal, <laughs> oh my God. But I tell you the stories about Sal. We'll have to tell you uh, uh, off the air about <laughs> Sal and my wedding.
0: Uh, popular topic of conversation on this pod. We had to, I had Terrell co-hosting with me uh, last week. Man, we we, we were talking about Terrell's first experience going to see a classic heavy metal concert on the south shore of Long Island. Um, yeah, we we recapped. Uh, Junior was the name of the man sitting next to us, double-fisting Bud Lights. And um, getting, <laughs> he you know he was one of those, he was one of those handsy guys that's got to put his arm around you and you know when he talks
1: to you you know but um he left an impression yeah yeah, oh, yeah. yeah there's plenty of those Long those Island
0: suits. Long Island guys they're everywhere but yeah um. Uh that that if you're going to get married that's the way to do it I think man. Shout out to all my friends who've gotten married. They know I'm a bit of a curmudgeon. I don't, you know, I'm sorry. I don't want to get out there in a tight suit and do the electric slide for 2 hours with your grandmother, bro. But um uh that sounds like the way to do it man with the Yankee game. What was that what was that the Subway Series year or what was going on?
1: No, it was 2009 so it was uh it was against the uh Philadelphia Phillies. Okay. And it was it was good because it got rain. It was a rain delay. So by the time the party really got started, uh, um, that's when the game started. So it, it was a it was a cool atmosphere that night, man. So yeah, that, that part of Halloween is 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 interesting and cool to me. It's about it.
0: All right. Well, I'm going to need you to slow down on the uh, the Philly talk there, tough guy, because mm-hmm. uh, that brings me to my next segue. We're going to oh, yeah. be down in Philly, so uh, choose, your, choose your 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 uh, World Series carefully.
1: We um, love Philly.
0: Yeah, choose your reminiscing carefully because uh, the 8th of November, Reeking Aura is going to be doing our first day supporting Carrie and Vale and Hath. Uh, we're going to be at the old Kung Fu Necktie down there in Philadelphia mm-hmm. on the 8th. Beautiful venue. Looking forward to getting back there. Um, uh, the 9th of November, we're going to be up there in Baltimore, Maryland at the Shamrock Inn. Luck of the Irish kicking in. Uh, We'll have a little St. Patrick's Day early over there. Then we're going to be spending two days, not one, but two days in Tennessee. Uh, Big shout out to Nashville, Tennessee at the end on the 10th of November and Knoxville, Tennessee at the Brickyard on the 11th of November. Um, Looking forward to that, man. I I like getting down there and getting into some of these uh, regions that don't necessarily always get the tours and get the shows. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Looking forward to playing for some of those people. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania rounding out the end of the tour on the 12th of November at the Shred Shed. I just said that accurately without my Long yeah. Island accent interfering.
1: It's um, a great name for a metal venue, don't you think?
0: The Shred Shed. It just, yeah. It's, yeah. I, I almost feel like we're going to be walking onto an episode of uh, Metalocalypse or something. <laughs> like it's guess it's named a little too perfect. But, yeah. um, but that would be great. Later, looking forward to being on the road with those guys uh, playing Can't some wait, songs. Man. Yeah, man, getting out there. We got the merch game um, on smash right now. Um, big shout out to Keith and Optimistic Prince. Uh, highly recommend Optimistic prints to anyone looking to get their little T-shirts or their long sleeves or their hoodies made up. You follow a guy on Instagram, he's got little deals, um, uh, uh, fast service, fast turnaround, good person Yeah, to great do. quality. Yeah, yeah, we've been dealing with him a while now. And you can, if you want any of that Reeking Aura merch, you can always check us out on Instagram or Facebook, whatever. Rick's up there wheeling and dealing all day long. Um, and we're going to take some of it on the road for those shows that we just announced. Uh, anything else going on, Rick? You got anything going on with grace guys Falling?
1: uh no we're still uh well uh jesus uh man i don't know why you brought that up man now i'm looking at the calendar and i got colin i got colin staring me down in a few weeks oh i just reminded you uh, (laughs) upon our arrival from tour i gotta go back i gotta go into the studio to do some songs and vocals uh so um i'm on vacation the next couple weeks so that's when i'm really gonna be hunkering down as they say with the lyrics and stuff like that and uh we'll get the album finished um i would hope by the end of the year and that's that's basically that and we'll figure out what's going on after that when it's finished
0: fair enough fair enough man well you got to get through that because i want to get the second reeking aura album pumping
1: uh, yeah, ASAP. that's already in the process too. We got yeah. little little droplets here and there, little <laughs> droplets, <laughs> little little permeations, and uh, you know things things of that nature. It's coming together already. All right,
0: beautiful man. Um, speaking of things that are coming together, if you want to come together with Heavy Hole Podcast, you can check us out on social media. Um, I've been having a lot of trouble with the Facebook page there, uh, Zuckerberg. I can't get on to fa- uh, Heavy Hole Facebook mm. now. Yeah, it's it's all. It's I've been ha- ever since we started on Facebook with the Heavy Hole Podcast page. It's been nothing but trouble for me. Um, but you can follow us regularly on IG or uh, Twitter. Um, you can email us, podcast at gmail.com. Uh, we appreciate all your support. We appreciate you bearing with us as things have picked up. Uh, This last year and we've been able to get back out there more with my bands um, that that I promote and that I talk about um, and uh, Tom and Justin of the Heavy Hole podcast, always working behind the scenes and production, uh, but not necessarily recording episodes with me as much. man. I just want to thank everybody for sticking with the Heavy Hole podcast uh, week to week. Um, We definitely have some big plans for the future uh, and for expanding the platform a little bit Um, just between. personal reasons family issues and things like that and everybody getting busy with a lot of irons in the fire we just are moving at a slower pace than we'd like in terms of that but um and i appreciate you rick and all the other co-hosts that have been helping me out um these last few no months problem, too buddy. man um good giving us a good diversity of recommendations in terms of the music man so shout to uh you of course and terrell and sam and dave gladding and everybody else we've had in and out of here cody hager bought me one of the old uh paps blue ribbons i got to meet cody at the suffocation, internal bleeding, Sangwa Sugabag. So I got to meet the guys from Sangwa Nice guys. Uh, undeath was there. Oh, man.
1: Sorry about that, man. Yeah, that show bummed me out. I, I had my tickets for months. And then when I punched in the address and it said three hours and 45 minutes drive, I just couldn't. I couldn't do it, man. I couldn't. With the traffic, It was. it was like early in the afternoon, too. And I said, damn, I'm going to leave nice and early. And, and I couldn't. So that sucks. I wanted to go to that show
0: yeah I, I'm sorry, yeah, I was disappointed you couldn't make it, man. Yeah. I felt for you um the Friday afternoons uh, in the tri-state area, you just just leave it early in the morning and spend the day somewhere, yeah. man. that's the a- well
1: next time i will I'll, I'll charter a helicopter.'ll we'll we go yeah. out. there.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's my. That's really my tour tip. If you can't charter a helicopter, get up early and leave. Or it's better to be stuck killing time in the neighborhood of the of the of the show you're playing than yeah. stuck in traffic while the first band is playing. You know what yeah, I mean? No doubt, no doubt. That's 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 a real tour tip. And remember, remember, my I I really I we might have to make a T-shirt. Chew your gum. Choose your words. The Punisher's Creed words to live by if if you're ever at a show and you're very excited because members of your favorite band are there and you just gotta go up and get a minute of their time and chew their ear off about something just say, say to yourself quickly look in the mirror say deep breath chew your gum choose your words and you may save yourself from being a punisher deep in the heart of every metal fan there is one